Hey everybody, welcome to Salty Dogs Podcast, episode one of season two. We're really excited. Um, we just had a great time with Chris Serna and Casey and then myself, Jason, um, kind of talking about my testimony, and so I just want to prime you for it. Um, we're so excited to be back. Uh, we're, we're a little silly up front, but let me just tell you, um, throughout the, that entire process, and I didn't even really know how it was going to go. Um, but I think it, I think it went great. I really felt like the Lord showed up and, um, and led us into a place that is a really powerful place and testimony of the goodness of God, his sovereignty, his love for us. And we ended up talking about a spirit of sonship at the end. And so I just want to encourage you to listen through, uh, take the time and man, I hope you're encouraged. And just one more time, I want to reiterate that if you, if you need uh, somebody to talk to, like you're going through some tough stuff, if nobody's been there to really care for you or check in on you, that kind of thing, uh, we want to do the best that we can. And so you can go to saltydogspodcast.com and uh, down at the bottom, you can send us a message and uh, we just want to hear from you. If, if you uh, need some encouragement, need some prayer, need some love. And so I want to thank you guys for taking a listen. Um, share this out to anybody that you may think needs to, to take a listen as well, who could be blessed by it. So love you guys. Thanks for listening. What's up, Casey? Oh, no. Dude, dude. We're here, bro. <laughs> yeah. Season we, two, son. Hashtag we finally made it. Season two coming at you. Coming at you like, hi yow. <laughs> Pow pow. Zip zip. Zip zappa zoo. <laughs> Good lord. This is how excited we are. We yeah. don't even know what to say. We're just saying really silly We're things. We're just going, oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Dude, I'm super pumped, man. Was your time away good? It it was. It's been uh, a while. So a lot has changed for you. Yeah. So tell us what's going on. Oh, you know, had a baby plant. Had a no big deal. You know, or anything, some you kid know. named Ezra. He's pretty great. Ezra Michael. He's <laughs> when I <laughs> when you stare into it, when you stare into his <laughs> eyes, all the world disappears. I mean, you know, he just stares straight into my soul. It's unreal. Yeah, no, it's unreal. I couldn't. Uh, you know, they they say uh, you just don't know until you have one, and you're like, yeah, whatever. And then and you then, don't. And, and then, then, then you now you one. find yourself saying, well, you just don't yeah. know until you amidst, have one. Amidst screams and blowouts. Somewhere in between, there's this like this love that you find, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting because I, you know, when when you have a baby boy and you you kind of finally come to the understanding of a lot of the teachings of Jesus mm. that that are so deep that you can't you cannot grasp them unless you have a baby boy. You know, mm-hmm. these really deep moments that just grab a hold of yeah. you. Yeah. So you're kind of hashing out how you're going to leave the majority of your inheritance to your firstborn in Correct. alignment with the scriptures. Right. Unless I have a, unless I have another one. Mm. Well, yeah. Then you might need to get a lawyer to sort all that out. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. It's crazy. The law's a burden, bro. I mean, you know. The law is a burden. He doesn't deserve that. He yeah. deserves better. He, yeah. yeah. The Yeah. The larger portion of the inheritance for sure. <laughs> coming Ezra's way. So Coming at you, son. Yeah. That's cool, man. I dig it. I'm happy to be back. You've been climbing trees. I've yeah. been working, doing video. Lots of change for you too, man. Getting podcasts going. Yeah. Getting website stuff happening. Big change for us at the Source Wichita. We started Sunday morning gatherings. Woo. And that's huge for me because... Huge. 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 <laughs> I can't do it. Like, oh, Chris, I forgot you were here. What's up? Oh, you know? hey. Oh, hey. <laughs> oh, hey, guys. Hey. Hello there. I, just, I, did. I walked in. Do you mind if I sit down no, and go ahead. join <laughs> you? Pull it up. Can oh. I dine at the table? Absolutely. The mm. table you is may open. S- you may sup Come. with us. Come, let us sup, sup together. <laughs> sup, sup. Jesus supped with his disciples. 
Yes. <laughs> if only you could see the meme in our head at this current moment. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so we've got Chris Cerna here, and he's back. You I'm were back. on how many episodes last season? I was on two episodes two last episodes. season. Two episodes. It yes. should have been more. Chris, if you don't know, is our... Um, He's kind of like the honorary co-host. That, I'm like the ex-girlfriend. That, never, he's yeah. like the, that gets invited back for holiday dinners. <laughs> That's who I am. I just re, We just really think you ought to come hang out with the family. No, it's not going to be weird. No. Of course. No, go ahead. And, no. Why do we invite her every year? It's so weird. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> That's, I am that girl. That's Chris. He's... <laughs> Chris is the official ex-girlfriend of the Salty Dogs nice. podcast. I love it. But we still love you. We had a good time together. It was that good. One it was time. good. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Always, I you always know? seem to remember the good things yeah, and not so much all the good. bad things. Yeah. Gosh darn. Why yeah, do no, we do this to ourselves? Wow. It's, it's funny because we, you know, we had we had you and Kim over and we had dinner and I'd mentioned, you know, really wanting to start podcasting and and getting back into it. And I think you reached out to me a couple of weeks later and and invited me on. And so it's always a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So there's a purpose. Um, what. For, yeah, there's a purpose for all this. There is. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, Chris Cern is here, and his primary role this uh, today, and actually for the next two ep- or for our first two episodes of our season, um, he's going to spend some time with us, kind of uh, helping Casey and I as we walk through our testimony in the Lord. Like, I thought it might be a great idea that Casey and I just share a testimony. Casey's got a pretty crazy past. I have a pretty crazy past. I haven't really resolved within my heart how much I'm going to share about um, where I've been and what I've done. <laughs> um, you know, I think you're just, probably wanted for murder. You might want to lay low for a little while. I stabbed the guy in the heart with the trident. <laughs> Oh my well, after the second episode, Casey was no longer found. He's laying low. <laughs> That's right. He's he's running from the law. Yeah. Well, he's disclosed some things he probably, probably shouldn't, shouldn't have. have yeah. Exactly. Well, you never know. You and I don't know so much of your past and how much would actually send you to prison at this point in time. But mm, I uh, I got so. away with all my crimes, mm. and so <laughs> PTL. I'm here, and we're doing the SDP. <laughs> That stands for Salty Dogs Podcast. So um, so I'm going to spend some time this episode kind of diving into my story. And uh, Casey and Chris are just, you know, they're here to ask questions and, and say, hmm, that sounds interesting. Let's talk a little bit more about that. And so I suppose without further ado, oh, before that, Chris, give us just a quick update on what's been going on with you since the last time that we've seen you on the podcast. You guys kind of did a big thing. Yeah, we uh, there, there's been some change. Um, we've moved out of a part in an apartment to a, a home, so we're renting a home, which is huge. We have a backyard now. Uh, that's not what I great. was thinking of. There's uh, there's dirt back there. Yeah, yeah, that that's big. <laughs> and uh, our you know we've been preparing over the last year to to start a church uh, service uh, gathering. And so over the last year, we've been meeting in, in groups and just getting together. And so um, kind of since day one, we've considered our, our church launched because the body's gathering. Uh, but uh, we started services. And so that was really good. Um, we've seen a lot of fruit from that. Um, outside of that, uh, that's pretty been the, the really big thing that's happened. Um, so Living Water community. Church. Yeah, Living right. Water Church in Derby. One water, not Living Water. One water, not many waters, just, just one. one. Just, just the, one. There's only one true water. And it is alive. And it is alive. It's a living water. And not just with bacteria. We're talking like straight life giving. It, is, it, is, it levitates, I think. Hmm. That's not scriptural. I can't is back that Is that where up. the Leviathan lives? Leviathan? <laughs> yes. Methuselah groomed her pet Leviathan. <laughs> 
bring it back to sound check. <laughs> sound check. <laughs> so Chris has had some awesome stuff happening. Um, yeah, and just as as I was kind of getting into it, um, we started Sunday morning gatherings, and so for the source Wichita, it's an it's a it's huge thing huge thing for us because for the past three years we've been. <laughs> Gathering on a Sunday evening service. Every time we say huge, I'm going to say huge. Huge. Yeah. Yep. Go for it. Yeah. Huge. Um, And so I know we don't have, uh, well, I'm not going to go there. Never mind. So, so (laughs) um, talking about that for me, that's huge, huge (laughs) for me because. I've stepped back into a. We're just really excited about yeah. season two of the Salty Dog Podcast. And I'm on like triple the, shot mocha right now. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that star bags, man. I am amplified. Are you, are you freaking joking me? It's star bags. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, focus, boys and girls. Rain it in. Rain it, and I hope that our listeners are are tracking. They along probably and already they don't think that we're fools. Shut so. it off. Again, this is the, uh, if you've seen the picture of Casey and I on our Salty Dogs podcast Facebook, um, he and I are on a moped with great joyous smiles upon our faces. It's actually a broped, but that's it's all right. On the broped. <laughs> and that just personifies what exactly what's happening here. You so. guys actually record in that position. <laughs> <laughs> Coming at you live from the broped this morning. Okay, okay. Uh, right. Moving on, moving focus, on. Focus, focus, focus. Yeah, so so um, huge thing for me, stepping back into teaching and leading at the source. Um, and so we'll kind of get to why that's a big deal, but I suppose I should um, I should back up quite a bit and, and kind of just tell some of my story. And so um, it's like, where do you start? There's so much significant... Th- so many significant things that have happened throughout my life. And, um, I don't necessarily have like this timeline where I can, I can pinpoint all these things, but as far back as I can remember, well, let me, let me start forward where I'm at now in my, in my belief and, and my walk with the Lord. Um, obviously this kind of thing didn't happen, um, overnight, like the, the depth of intimacy and relationship that I have with the father now has been cultivated through, much trial and uncertainty and, and just all sorts of things. And so as far back as I can remember, I'm 36 now. Um, Ooh. yeah, no, right. <clears throat> I'm 36 now, as far back as I can remember. I want to think about life I've, insurance I've always something. been, I've always <laughs> been in church. I have, uh, two policies through my company. Thank you very much. You better so, get four. Double uh, nothing. Do you have fire insurance? <clears throat> yes. It's called <laughs> the salvation. Blood of the lamb. That's right. Um, and so just grew up in the church. Like, as, you know, I just remember, yeah, I used to go to Sunday school and I used to learn about David and <laughs> David and Goliath and like not the full story, you know, God forbid you share that he cut off Goliath's head and had true victory over his enemy rather than just hitting him in the head with a stone and him dying. Right. So, um, I remember, <laughs> I remember these Bible stories and, and even at such an early age, like let's say six, seven, eight years old. Um, I remember even Sunday school teachers saying things to me like, God's going to use you greatly, right? And and it was that kind of, I don't want to call it rhetoric because sometimes we attribute the term rhetoric to like language that we disagree with. But um, it's this language that, you know, you're, you're in the church, you're a Christian, uh, maybe you're a Christian at that time in the church, but you're, you're in this environment where you're hearing about God and, and may, you're just maybe 
getting into it and you're starting to learn the language, you start to hear certain things and those phrases and those things you hear over time, um, you realize that they're common in the church, but you never really know what they mean. And then you have this <laughs> grandiose idea of what your life is going to be about. Um, but it doesn't really translate into the everyday um, things that you do, right? It's like, God wants to do something great with your life. But then, you know, I have to, I still spend three, four hours at night hanging out with the family, eating dinner, you know, doing, doing these kinds of things. So it's like, well, how does this translate? What's the big thing that's going to happen? So even earlier in my life, I remember hearing this phrase. Um, so grew up in this smaller Baptist church, Allendale Baptist church and mm. near Pasadena. I know Christopher remembers this. I do. I was you, in their nursery. You went there, right? In we the did, nursery? For a little while. Yeah, it's <laughs> their pretty Their potlucks wild. were the best. Dude, they had homecomings. Do you remember the homecomings? They're great. Yeah, it was awesome. We just had really big dinners and, you know, that well, was. Well, now I'm the third wheel. You know, so. the, you know the Baptist. <laughs> Baptist Only two wheels dinners. on a bro bread. <laughs> <laughs> but you're the driver, bro, so. Oh. So, um, growing up in church and it wasn't until I was about 14 years old that I remember actually hearing the gospel. And, and I know that's kind of an interesting, interesting thing to say, because I'm sure that I heard the gospel. I'm sure they spoke of Jesus. They spoke of the cross. They spoke of forgiveness of sins. Um, but you know, I learned all the Bible stories. I did all that stuff. I had some Bible knowledge and I felt like I knew God. I believed in God. I even knew of the Holy spirit and I would, and I would mention the Holy Spirit and those kinds of things, but I don't think I really knew uh, God in that, in that time. And so then I heard the gospel and I responded. And so my, I would say that, uh, I don't know, I don't know that I want to say my conversion experience, but I remember sitting in this church and the guys talking about Jesus and how you, we need Jesus and forgiveness of sins and these kinds of things. And I just remember feeling this, like I felt a presence and it was as though, um, like my, my heart was beating really fast in my chest and my body was getting like tingly and numb and I'm getting like tunnel vision. I know that sounds like anxiety, <laughs> <laughs> but this is what's happening in that, in that moment. And I'm, and I'm just feeling this thing happening to my body and I'm thinking I need to respond to this message. And so I do. And, um, you know, they said on the count of three, if that's you, raise your hand, whatever. So I rose my hand and then, and then they said, uh, and then they said, you know, he said, I see that hand. I see that hand. Yeah. <laughs> your hand was seen. So they saw my hand, write it in the book of life. <laughs> that's right. And so, um, I go up on stage and they just kind of pray for us. And it was really interesting at that point in time because I was in high school and I remember looking across the stage and this was a fairly large church in, in Houston, Texas. And, uh, and I look around and I see kids from my high school. And I'm like, wow, what? And so that was kind of trippy for me to think that even like in my high school, like there were actually Christians, kids who believed. And so for me, that was like a really cool thing. And so throughout my high school years, I had this pull as to whether or not I was going to like chase the girls, like be the player, you know, go to Astral World in Houston, Texas and get as many phone numbers as I can. By using his nephew, <clears throat> by, by the way. By using my nephew who was that like nephew is, seven, is and, I. seven and cute, right? Hey, go over there and tell that girl, blah, blah, blah. Give her this stuffed animal. Is that what I did? One time. Oh Dang, my gosh. Dang, man. Yeah. yeah. The, the cheese is real, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, son. So, so you're, you're at an interesting point right now. I, I'd like to hear kind of you know, what did that process look like when you, when you started, you, you had this encounter with, with Jesus, you, you felt something change and then you, 
you know, what was your next step at that point? And, and I guess even the bigger question is, is it, did you have anyone that played the role of a spiritual father in your life at that point? Um, and was that even mentioned? Was that something that was on the radar? What did that look like? Yeah. So, so what happened at that point in time was, um, I was attending church with my dad and, um, the church had a youth group. And so it was actually Lakewood church in Houston, Texas. Hi, Casey. Casey's leaning in very closely to me right now. He seems really interested in what I have to say. He's intrigued. He's intrigued. So yeah, I mean, take it for what you will. Lakewood church in Houston, Texas, circa 1996, 14 year old Jason just came to know Jesus. Um, I knew baptism was a thing. And so Um, I took that step of baptism, even though when I was like eight years old, I had been baptized in the Baptist church because there was another kid named Jason in our class who got baptized and I didn't want to be the only Jason not baptized. I mean, who, nobody wants that. Yeah, I know. I mean, we, yeah, it's like people don't struggle with getting baptized because they see their closest people get baptized and then they don't know what they're doing. So they just do it anyway. That never happens. No kidding. So, um, I got baptized and I was going to youth group. So that was really great. So I felt like I had this like weekly kind of spiritual place. Um, No spiritual father at that point in time, but it was like, go to church, go to youth group. It's what you do. And so I had friends in the youth group. Um, I was doing like Sunday morning church and then Sunday evening church and then like Wednesday night service. And so I was like in it. And even when I was in part of the flock, I know when I was in high school, um, you know, I was one of those kids that took my Bible to class. And I remember walking into class one day and I had my Bible, you know, under my arm and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to show, you know, I'm a Christian and I believe because we have to live bold. And, and then I looked over and there's another kid who's got his Bible on his desk. And it was kind of like, we looked at each other like, Oh, hey, mm, oh, hey, I see that. I you see ready, that Bible. You ready to, you ready to, to rumble, drop the gospel. <laughs> That's right. Let's do this, bro. We're about to slay all these non-believers. Altar call so, now, <laughs> right now. And so, um, so I started making Christian friends. And doing, doing these things, going to church, reading my Bible. And that was a big deal for me as well. Like I, I really, um, loved the scripture, even just at an early age as a teenager, I loved reading, reading. I love studying. Like, I mean, I would, uh, I had a notebook where I would then like kind of journal about the stuff that I read and that kind of stuff. And I remember, um, it was a, it was a huge struggle because, on one, on one hand, I'm like, yeah, um, I want a girlfriend. I'm a high school kid. Like I want to do all the things teenagers want to do. I want to have fun. Um, but I was also attempting to serve the Lord during that time. And so I remember, um, one time I was on the phone with, um, with the guy that was a youth pastor at a church I was going to and, and like, um, oh gosh, where's this place at? It's a suburb of Houston. I can't even remember the name of it, but going to a church called New Life Church, and there was a guy there named David who was the youth pastor, and and I remember reaching out to him and saying, like, I want to be a disciple. Like, I want to learn. I want to grow, and um, I remember he just, he started inviting me to these Monday night things that they would have, and in in these Monday night times, he, he would have all these youth kids come, and basically, he would put on worship music, and then he would say, 
go meet with the Lord. And so there's this living room full of youth kids and literally we'd be like laying on the floor or like bowing on a, you know, on our knees or like with our head in the, in a pillow on a couch or something like that. And we're just all like, we're supposed to meet with the Lord in that place. There was no like, here's how to do this. It was just pray and worship and then go do that. And I remember like meeting the Lord in that place, like not really any kind of, you know, here's how you do this but you're this kid and you don't know what's going on. You come into this, this house because you said, Hey, I want to be discipled. And then he puts you in a corner and says, meet with the Lord. You know, man, you know, you know, what's so crazy is I hear you saying all this stuff. I think that a lot of time, I mean, even, even as a, as a pastor and as someone who, who was outside of, of not being a pastor for a season, you, there's, there's a lot of pressure. I think that we put on ourselves to, to, man, I gotta, I gotta make sure that, that, we feel the burden, I guess, of correctly discipling someone. And, and I think we, we take on a lot of that responsibility as we should, but in hearing all of this, it, it really sounds like despite some of these things that, um, we sometimes can feel bad about like, Oh, you're gonna, you're gonna get caught up in work. So, you know, it's not just about reading your Bible. It's not just about praying and, and, Oh yeah, the gathering is more than this, um, that you still encountered God in that setting. And you still met him in that setting. And, yeah. and, you know, there were times where you, I mean, even with this whole go and meet with God, you know, this whole get in God's presence that you really didn't know was happening. God still met you. I mean, he, he, right. there was no a teach right. you, but, and so I guess what I'm trying even to say in is in our that, flawed attempts. Yeah. I guess that sometimes, not sometimes, there is still the very likely chance that when we have our heart uh, postured to approach God that he will meet us there regardless of if we know exactly the 100% right way, way to, to do, do it. it. Yeah, is there right so that, way? that just blows my mind. I don't think that there is a 100% right way. You know what I mean? And the, to put an instruction manual on how to come to God, I think is, is, uh, is right. <laughs> but know, we can be dangerous, is, but this is what we've tried to do. This is what we think it is. It's like, well, how do we do this? How do we do this? And get in a corner strategy, right? Get in a corner. Yeah. I, you know, and, that I, phrase, and I wonder go meet with God is just, yeah. it, it, and it, I, that's it. And I, and <laughs> honestly, it. like there were times where it was a struggle because I would look around and I would see these kids like praying and they have their hands up. I mean, these were youth. I mean, I, you know, and, and they're doing this stuff and, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, you know, what is going on here? <laughs> like, who are these, how do they know to do this? Um, one of the other things that he did was, he said, we do an hour prayer service before service, prayer service before service every single Sunday, come to that. And honestly, it was probably five to 10 people in an eight foot by eight foot closet in the church with the door shut and the light off and just people praying for the service for an hour. I mean, that's what that was. And I remember getting into that closet and like just standing there with these people and praying for that entire hour and then going to service. And so I wonder if my, my thought process of what I was desiring was off, um, based on where I was and, and my understanding of what discipleship was. And that if this guy, David, and I don't know, like I, I, I don't, I, I don't even remember the guy's last name. I'm not even sure I could track him down at this point in time. It's been a year. How many, how many years has that been? 18, 20, whatever it is. So, um, uh, I wonder if he knew that that was the best thing for me at that point in time, or if that's all he knew to do. And that's what he did. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there, 
so the two things I remember most about that time in my life being with this in this church when I'm saying, hey, I really want to get involved is spending an hour in prayer in a closet before a Sunday morning service and then spending like an hour on the floor in a living room in prayer. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, I wonder if I wanted him to like, I, I, I remember I wanted him to like give me some sort of academic regimen to where, Hey, read this chapter and write this paper, read this chat. Like I was so used to school and study that it was almost like I was seeking some sort of seminary style discipleship program outside of a seminary. You wanted the tree of knowledge, man. And what he gave you is the tree of life. (laughs) Oh snap. It's interesting. It's really interesting to consider. So, you know, that all sounds uh, great, but being in high school, I still struggled back and forth with being a Christian and believing in God and sharing my faith with my friends. And I did that stuff. And I led a couple of my friends to the Lord, um, earlier, um, in my, in my Christian walk, some of my close friends, but it was really easy for me to kind of slip back into the craziness. And so like, I remember, um, you know, in high school, I got a girlfriend and Uh-oh. you know that, yeah, exactly. And oh, so no, Samson, I know. Right. So, you know, early, early on, it must've been my 11th grade year. It's like, okay. Yeah. So started having sex. Right. And so that sparked something, Ooh. obviously. Bro, you can't say that on this podcast. Committing fornication. That was nice. Thanks. And so I got this girlfriend. Obviously that didn't work out. And that's a pretty crazy story. I don't know that I want to tell that on here, but just you know, it was, it was very weird because I remember, and this is raw and real, ladies and gentlemen, I remember I hadn't been to youth group in a while and I went back to youth group and I remember sitting in church and I thought last time I was here, I was a virgin. It was just really weird. And I, you know, I'm sure that started like some of the guilt because that's what I'm thinking when I'm in church. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so it got to be to where I wanted to serve the Lord, but then I kept doing stupid things. And so the more stupid things I did drinking, like, um, I'm really ashamed of this still, but I missed my senior photo. Like, you know, the entire school senior photo, because the night before, uh, we took the senior photo, I went to the club and got drunk. And then I decided just to stay home because I was hungover as a senior in high school. And so I can pull out my 2000 year, 2000, um, Reagan high school from Houston, Texas senior photo. And I'm not in there because I was at home picture hung over picture. It didn't happen, bro. Your entire senior year did not. You happen. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. not just, not just any senior. I mean, you were, you were up at the top of that academic list. Yeah. Right. Well. I was like number nine or something or 11. I can't remember that's my class. The, that's out of, definitely not the top. Well, <laughs> well, I'm interestingly, kidding, kidding. interestingly, and this isn't about how academically apt Jason was, but at the beginning of my senior year, I was contending for valedictorian and then I fell to number eight or whatever it was. And that's because I just didn't give a rip. Yeah. And, and so really starting to struggle with doing these stupid things, falling into the sin, falling into this drinking. So I just struggled. I remember from like 18 to 21, um, you know, I went to college and college was interesting. And I remember graduating high school and I literally said to God, God, I'm going to serve you when I graduate high school, when I get into college, I'm going to serve you. And, um, and, and I mean, I don't even understand the mentality now. I guess it was just kind of like, 
I wanted to serve him, but I wasn't ready kind of thing. And that's probably what I always struggled with, struggling with the, the full surrender and the sacrifice and what that meant of who I would become and what my identity would be and how people would view me. And so obviously a fear of man there. And so I remember going to high school or excuse me, to college. And I swear to you, it was like the first day of college. And I walked onto campus and we had this like student center place and there's these stairs that go into this courtyard and sitting at the top of the stairs were like three tables and it was the it was the clubs the college clubs and I remember like right off to the side I saw it was like Christians on campus and I was like F <laughs> he put and, it there it was and, there and so I, I sat down next to this guy his name is Chris and this guy Chris had the the deepest knowledge of the scriptures um, that I can remember of anybody ever having, because he would, we ended up having Bible studies together, um, a couple times a week and he would open his Bible and he would just walk to me through stuff and he would say, okay, so, so this right here, this represents this and this represents that. And that's symbolic of this and the Greek word for this. And so he really knew the scriptures and knew all the types and shadows of Jesus all throughout the old Testament, all that stuff. And I remember my mind was blown, but I remember sitting down with him and I said, man, I said, can I just share something with you? And he's like, yeah. And I said, you know, I told God I would serve him, um, when I got to college and I come on my first day and here's a table that says Christians on campus. And I was like, I, I want to hang with you guys. Like, you know, I want to serve the Lord. I don't have friends who are Christian. Like I stopped going to church. And so I was, dude, I was in and out of churches like for years and, and I would go and I would be there and it's like this eager kid. I want to serve. I want to do this. I want to do that. And, you know, just immature in my faith. And then these leaders would start to invest in me or give me opportunity or ask me to volunteer. And I would show up for a little while and then I would just completely disappear. So, so, so what would you say at that point that was the most lacking in your, in your faith? I mean, looking back now at that moment, I mean, you had a desire uh, to get into the scriptures and, and a, maybe even a deeper desire to just learn more um, in that aspect. But what would you say was, was truly missing looking back in, in that phase of your life? <clears throat> yeah, that's interesting. Um, I would say a right, a proper understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a proper understanding of forgiveness of sins, a proper understanding of as though I was as red as crimson, he washed me white as snow, that grace is abounding and that grace is infinite and that grace is every day and his mercies are renewed every day. Um, I was under a lot of guilt and shame because of all the sin that I had, I had committed. And so it was like, I would go to a church and I'd be going and I'd be fine for months. And then I would do something stupid. And all, all the time, all this time in my earlier years, so from like 17 until I was about 25, I worked in the restaurant industry. And so it was really easy in the restaurant industry to fall into the trap of um, going out and getting drunk, uh, doing drugs, sleeping with women. Like that it, is, That's it, the entire industry, dude. It's pretty bad. And, and, just for, and just in the context of, of being from Houston, you can make a living being a waiter. Like oh, it, absolutely. It, 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 you were walking home with wads of cash. This wasn't oh. like you're just, you know, waiting tables at, at, uh, at Applebee's or Chili's or right. something. No, I was making uh, fat cash. To be cash. fair, okay, those are nice establishments. Okay, and I don't know why you threw them out there like Their that. appetizers are fantastic. I mean, it, it could be said of me at that point in my life that I had pockets full of paper. <laughs> and so I was making <laughs> I was making. You could make money. it rain. I, right. And... Yes. So all of those, all of those things. And so, 
so it's like I've got this life where I'm like waiting tables and there's all these people waiting tables and there's like girls there that are cute and they like me and I like them and and you know this was between like 18 and 21 where like I, I even started going to the bars with the people from this restaurant before I was old enough to drink and they they were all 23 25 27 and I'm hanging out with this older crowd and I'm feeling accepted and like these people like me so then there's this this pool of I like being a part of this group of people versus I'm a Christian. And I want to follow God. And I can't tell you how many times I got into a relationship with a girl and then broke up with her because I needed to serve the Lord, you know, and it's, <laughs> and it's, and it's, I mean, even when you hear that, like you felt accepted, right? So it's interesting to me that the world accepts people more readily than the church does sometimes. And in that, I mean, even in that, you know, seemingly, seemingly not, not, I'm not saying like, you know, particularly, but, but like when you're that young, you know what I mean? And that's what you're, I mean, when people recognize you and look at you and accept you, you know what I mean? To, to you fighting to become identified, you know what I mean? As a man, you know what I mean? Coming, coming up, you know what I mean? And these people are, 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 you know, you're hanging with that older group. You're hanging with that older crew. You know what I mean? To you, that's an acceptance. You know what I mean? Right. And yeah. It, and it only fuels, you know. <clears throat> well, yeah. And then, of course, it was like, you know, I was young and skinny and hot. And so I was desirable. Like temperature wise? Or? <laughs> Would yes. you describe I yourself a, as a young a, David? <laughs> I had an abnormal body temperature. And for some reason. <laughs> um, and but, behold, I looked upon Jason and saw that he was desirable. <laughs> <laughs> that line is in many a women's diary. <laughs> <laughs> from the year 2000 oh, to 2003, gosh. apparently. What have we done? What have we done? Uh, so, yeah. And so what did I lack? I lacked a full understanding of forgiveness because I would, it, it was, I was in these two different worlds. I was in the church and then I was in this restaurant world and they were, they were dichotomous. One is, you know, serve the Lord. The other is like, you know, do bad things. And, um, all through that time, like I would say it was in those earlier years that I was developing, somewhat of an alcohol problem and then later on developing somewhat of a drug problem. Um, so on one hand I'm doing all these stupid things. I, I know I shouldn't be doing, but I'm, I'm finding some sort of satisfaction in them. But then in my heart, I know that I'm supposed to be serving the Lord and I want to know the Lord. And, and, and so I'm going to church, but there's so much guilt and, and so much weight and then so much like temptation and pressure. And, and yeah. so I was just pulled back and forth. So, so the, the question that I'm asking now in my mind is, is walk me through what your encounter. I mean, obviously you were, you still were a believer. You had a, you had a relationship with Jesus. You were, you were on again, off again, but what did that look like? What did that walk me through your mindset? Like when you sat in a church service and worship began, like what, what was going through your mind at that point? Like the, give me your prodigal son story that was playing in your mind. Like that speech, you know, of when you first approach God at, after what feels like too, it's been too long. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know how many true encounters I actually had with the Lord during that time. I'll, I'll lead you to one here in just a moment, but I went to church because I knew it's what I was supposed to be doing. I thought that yeah. was the place where I could encounter God. So I went there because I wanted it. And I was waiting for some, I was waiting for the heavens to part and the Holy spirit to fall and completely transform me. I think I wanted, because I'd lost so much control of myself. I wanted God to have full control of me so much that I didn't even have free will anymore. I was like, just change me, you know, like just, just live through me. Like, 
do something yeah. because I can't change myself and this sucks. Right. And sometimes I still have that conversation with myself. It's like that kind of never goes away. We're always seeking the Lord to change us. But, um, yeah, so I'm going to these church services and I'm there because I know I need to be there. And honestly, I would just cry and cry and cry. Yeah, I would. And you know, what's really and, interesting is that I, I mean, there are several instances where I can remember, um, it, I had an interesting seat in all of this. I mean, being your nephew and, and, and seeing you, right, yeah. you come and go and come and go. And, and, uh, and so I can remember it was just in my mind, whenever you showed up to church that at some point, Jason is going to be bawling his eyes out because it, it, it was crazy. And I, and you know, and I didn't view that like in a ha ha Jason's like, it was like, yeah. man, like Jason's going through some stuff and, and God's working on his heart. And, and I mean, yeah. this is me at probably 12 years old at that point or, or yeah, 14 years old. And so for me to see that it was, it was really interesting and to just see that that was happening each time yeah. you attended at least church with us as a family. Right. Yeah. At Lakewood and stuff. Yeah, it's true. It's like, yeah, there would be times where I wouldn't go and I wouldn't be, uh, I hadn't gone for months, but then I would like get the invite and our whole family would go to church and then I'd be sitting there and yeah, the Lord would start messing with me. And, and, and I think a lot of those tears flowed from I'm unworthy. I suck. I hate my life. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I had many thoughts of like running away, like, you know, I'm just going to move and I'm going to start over. I need to run. I need to get away to escape my problems. I'm going to move to San Diego and go to school. I'm going to join the Navy and be in the military like my, my brother <laughs> and my dad were like, I'll do that. yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and so I had, dude, I, yeah, I struggled a lot with like wanting to, like, I just didn't know what to do. I felt stuck, Yeah, you know? And of course I was living this, this multiplicitous life. Like just, you know, I, nobody knew me. Nobody really knew me. Um, and I did a really great job of hiding a lot of things. And, and then some things I couldn't hide, like your mom, she was like, you know, I just, my heart burns for you. And like, I, She's like, I, I just, I feel like you're on drugs and I don't know what to do. And I'm not on drugs and I'm, I'm not like, on drugs. Yeah. Why do you think that? Right. Why do you think that? Gosh, and my poor sister and I don't want to like start bawling, but man, she, she played such a crucial role. Like her heart just broke for me. Mm, Your mom. Yeah. yeah. Just broke for me that whole time. And I know my mom was praying for me. I know my dad was praying for me. So there are people around me who love me, but man, it was, a, it was a struggle all through those years, like a constant struggle back and forth, back and forth. And you know, I would have times where I would be sober and not drink and not do anything. And then, you know, that would happen for like a year or two. And then I would, um, and then I would fall back into something. And so that entire cycle kind of continued, um, up until 20, uh, 2010. And so from about 2006 or 2005, so in 2005, I got a, I got a DUI. So, you know, just think about back and forth back and forth, back and forth, restaurant industry, drinking, sober, drinking, sober, church, no church, you know, just the same crap in a relationship. I mean, at one point in time, I, I spent uh, two years of my life living with, uh, with a girlfriend who was actually an atheist. So think about that. Here's this guy who says, Oh, I love Jesus. I want to serve the Lord, except I'm going to go live with a girl who doesn't even believe in not God exactly a catalyst for you know <laughs> for growth really yeah. just getting your life together oh, you know man I just knew that she was gonna be the she one was the was one gonna, yeah so that was so that was really interesting um, and then uh, got into another relationship and it wasn't until like 2005 I got a DUI and then I said okay I gotta get my life right and I so, remember that I remember that yeah I, so I, I remember that so I started deal. so I started getting um yeah it was a big deal I started 
going to another church and I got an internship at a church as a graphic designer. And then I started going to cross point and Pearland. Mm-hmm. That's where you came in the youth group. And so the Lord was really working on me in that time. And I remember specifically, and I wanted to bring this up one time you and I were um, in the car on the way to church and I was going to share like, you know, for five minutes on what it meant to be a sold out Christian. And uh, I remember just weeping and telling you, I feel like the Lord's calling me to be a preacher. Like, I think I'm going to speak and I think I'm going to travel. And, and I was just breaking because I was like, I'm not worthy. That's so scary. Like, how's this even going to happen? I've messed up so many times. I've never been consistent. I've never been this, never been that. And uh, anyway, so spent some time there at that church, probably about three years. And during that time, I um, got into a relationship with a girl, got engaged, started living with her. I mean, this is the foolishness that I would get myself into. Yeah. And uh, so 2009, that relationship ends. And so from 2009 to 2010, I fall back into this drinking and then drugs. So nearly eight so years ago. So it was ago. worse after you, when you fell again. Oh, it was worse. Absolutely. That That's always the way it happened. And... Um, and I couldn't even tell you what was going through my mind during that time. Like, I think I was just so numb and I was just so sick of I remember that the back time. and forth. We I actually lived do. in the same house. I, at yeah, that point. we did. We did. Yeah. And, and you're serving the Lord and you're the one sitting down in the kitchen with me. Like, you got to come back. Uncle. Dude, I remember a specific conversation where I asked you like, what is going on? Like, yeah, it, it was, it was crazy. It was nuts. It was crazy, yeah, and and nobody really knew what I was doing, and I mean, it was, yeah, I, I, and at that point in time, I was making more money than I'd ever made in my entire life. That year, 2009 to 2010. More money, more problems, dude. Dude, and, and it got, so I was making the most money I'd ever made. I was living with my mom. I didn't have rent. Um, I wasn't paying my credit card bills. But now I was you, now. Were you tithing? Yeah. Right. Right. Yes, Lord. Ten. Well, that was the problem years. the entire time. Bro. Ten, I you could have fixed that. Ten, I mean, honestly, yeah. just by giving your ten percent, and you would have been blessed, yep, bro. That's uh, right. Well, it's the ninety you gave me, so I'm going to do what I want with it. So, so you have all this going on, and you're making yeah, the most, and, so, and you're probably, you know, doing well, whatever you want. I'm doing whatever I want. It got so bad, and this is what some people don't know. It got so bad that I was spending all my money on, on going out to eat all the time, but also partying, going out to drink a couple times a week, and not just getting drunk, but getting like trashed, obliterated, or, to, obliterated. I would puke and rally probably almost every time I went out. Oh man! And then I would be up until three or four a.m. doing stuff I shouldn't be doing through mm. my nose, right? Um, and so I would run out of money. And so there were some weekends before I got paid that I would go pawn my laptop Sell all your stuff, so yeah. I could have 200 bucks in hand so that I could go drink that weekend. And then I got paid on money and I went and got my laptop out of the, out of the, uh, out of the pawn shop. There was actually one time where I pawned something that was, <coughs> I, Not yours. that the company owned. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And so I was like, I can do this. You know, that's, that's how, that's how spirals happen. You know, that's yeah. how you get in someone's pockets and then get beat with a bat in a back alley because you owe some, you know, you owe Joe money. Right. Um, so it just, it got stupid. It got really stupid. And, uh, and so what changed? Yeah. So here's the story. So my dad had started going to this little, little bitty church, um, on the East side of Houston, probably like halfway to Beaumont. Right. So 30, 45 minutes outside of the city. And, um, he invited me to church one day. Um, and I had been to the church before and the, the time I went before I sat in the back row and I fought the tears 
because like I knew the Lord was trying to, to work on me and I didn't let him. And so I just like, I just put up a wall. I said, no, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And so I fought that the first time I went to this little church. And, and when I say little, it was little. I mean, it was probably 50 feet long and maybe 20 feet wide, you know, and you could touch the ceiling with your hand. So it was kind of like an actual church. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so he invited me on Father's Day of 2010. He said, hey, it's Father's Day. Do you want to come to church? And I'm like, yeah, sure. That sounds good. So I go to church and I swear to you, as soon as I walk through the doors of that church, like the Lord's standing there and I walk in and I'm like, oh, he got me. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like you've done something bad and then you get home and then your, your parents standing right there and then said, okay, we're going to talk about this. Right. And so I remember walking into the church and just immediately the presence of God was there. And I was like, this is it. Like, I can't run. Like something's going to change today and I can't fight it. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember hearing the, 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 the pastor talking about David, pastor and, clay, pastor clay Duckworth. And so, um, he's given a sermon about how David had, um, taken Bathsheba as his wife and then killed Uriah, right? It's his name. Mm-hmm. And, uh, David was in his sin, but then he, you know, he prays to the Lord. And, and, and so basically clay's talking about how, like, you might've been this David and, you know, people told you all your life you were going to be this king and you're going to do great things and all this stuff. And and he's just speaking my language. And I'm like, what the heck is this guy saying? And I swear to you, I swear to you that as he was preaching, he would say something. And in my heart, I would like fight what he was saying. And the next thing that he said was God's answer to what I'd said mm. so much to the point that even before he said what he was going to say, the Lord spoke it to me and he said it verbatim. <laughs> and so the Lord Gosh. was like speaking word for word from this guy's mouth. And I'm just sitting there like crap. And so I remember it got to the point of the, the service where, you know, he was like, if you need prayer and, and you know, you need to come up or whatever. Um, he said, go ahead and come up. And so I was standing there and, and of course I'm weeping because this is what I did in church. So I'm crying and, uh, and he said something like, Jason, we're going to pray for you. I said, okay, that's fine. And then he like got to the end of the prayer or whatever. And, uh, and I thought, oh gosh, I'm, I thought I'm off the hook. Right. And, um, so once I thought I was off the hook, my dad says, come on, Jason, we're going to go up to the front and pastor Clay is going to pray for you. And so I get up there and I'm standing and uh, talking to Pastor Clay and he just kind of looks me in the eyes and he says, so what's wrong? Like, what do we need to pray for? And I said, I'm just not the person that I know that I need to be. Like, I'm not the man of God that God has created me to be. And my life isn't what um, it should be in the Lord. Like, I'm, I'm not who I'm supposed to be, right? And so he said, well, I'm going to pray for you. And he said, so you know that the Lord has never let you go. He said, you've been his from day one. And so <laughs> the reason you've been able to run and not get away is because you're his, right? Yeah. And that was like huge. And, and so he said, he asked me the question, he said, are you ready? And, um, and I said, I have to be. And I think he was, I think he was trying to get a yes or no answer. Like, I think he was trying to get me to say yes. And I honestly could not say yes. I had to say, I have to be ready. And, and the reason being is because, and this is what I've told people in the past is that the God of the universe said, Jason, it's time. And I said, yes, Lord. Right. It, 
I have no choice. Yeah. It, this is time. And so he prayed for me. I left and I went through like a two day period where the Lord just was, was breaking me. And I was just like weeping for two or three days straight, just feeling like a fool and feeling like an idiot for all the dumb stuff that I'd done. And, um, and just for all of that time where I felt like I'd wasted so much time and done so many stupid things. And it was, I think it was then that I began to really understand grace and the gospel of Christ that no matter how many times I fell, no matter how much I ran, no matter how much I sinned, Jesus was always going to be there ready to pull me back in. And the father was always ready and willing to pull me back into relationship and restore me and redeem me. So not only is he going to put me in the right place, but he's going to restore all that had been taken, right? Mm, all that I had yeah. lost is what he did with Job. Job lost all this stuff, but then the Lord gave him double and triple. And so I said yes to the Lord. And a couple of weeks later, I got a phone call from Joe Boyd and Derby um, saying that he, uh, the Lord had been putting me on his heart and that he wanted me to move here to be a campus pastor. And a week before I got in that call, I was the week that I was there at my dad's church and I'd said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do and go over wherever you want me to go. So that brings us to, to Wichita, Kansas. And, um, so the Lord gave me opportunity to kind of step into ministry and really begin, um, down this yes journey. I mean, so I guess what's changed since then is just really understanding the Lord's grace and one being, being delivered by the hand of God from drugs and alcohol and promiscuity, like that, that's what he did. And he moved me. So, so one, my entire life, I'd always wanted to run from my problems and I wanted to move myself somewhere and I never knew that it was the right thing. And then the Lord made a way for me to actually do that, but on his terms. So the, the restart that I wanted to get for myself, the Lord gave me. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so then I moved here and, you know, campus pastor of aviator North for three years, shut that down, start the source in 2014, get married in 2014. And so we're just kind of here three years later. And, uh, certainly a different person gosh and there's even just so much that that's happened <laughs> yeah, in your life so at that point right you know there, you, 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 dude, you at that you, point another at this point you, yeah seriously it is at, at yeah. that point you come to, i mean now you just get to the point to where okay i'm i'm following christ at quotation quotation marks I'm, I'm a pastor i'm doing this thing and then yet god still had so much work that he wanted oh to gosh. do in your heart with mindsets it's ridiculous and, and strongholds that have been yeah. put in place with just verbiage and things like this and understanding of intimacy versus yeah. versus so 20, you know, all of this stuff there's so, so 20, much there so that was 2010 september 20th 2010 i moved to wichita kansas and so from from 2010 to like right now february 2018 that that's another podcast yeah, i mean I know. that's a that's you, an undoing and even the past two years was an undoing of 2010 to 2014. Yeah. And right? I mean, yeah. You met me and then the rest is history, dude. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I met Casey and then all was well. well I mean, honestly, yeah. what more do you need? It shall be I'm said kidding. of me. I'm kidding. Way kidding. <laughs> that all good. It's all good in the hood now because of knowing Casey, my buddy. <laughs> I don't know. If that's but so, so here's an interesting thing. I moved to Kansas and probably two or three days later, I walk into this room um, and Casey's sitting there playing Call of Duty. <laughs> And, and Joe says, you need to meet Casey. And on the way there, he primed me. He said, so there's this guy named Casey. He's going to be here. I want you to meet him. He's got your same kind of past. Like, I think you guys could be friends. And uh, lo and behold, we're friends. I think we could be friends someday. Yeah. <laughs> 
someday we'll be friends. Someday. So, so to, to kind of wrap, as we wrap all of this up, the, the question that I want to ask, and the, one of the biggest things that I feel like was a consistent theme through your story was this, this lack of, of, um, acceptance of grace and forgiveness and, uh, and, and part of that, I think the Lord's got to go in and work on your heart and wreck your heart. And and that obviously happened in, in the church on Father's Day with Pastor Clay. But what what can the church walk away with as far as an understanding and an importance of communicating grace and forgiveness? Because that is a message, unfortunately, that it can feel like you overdo and overdo. And, 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 I, and I say yeah. that because you, while you can never overdo it, I, I know I've been in positions where it's like, well, we've talked about talked about grace and forgiveness two weeks in a row. Do you think we should talk about X, Y, Z, what it, you know, whatever, fill in the blank? And so where can the church improve in this aspect? Yeah, so I know that oh what was gosh, how do I put this? One, you can never you can never overdo the the message of agreed, grace. Agreed. You can never overdo it. And people people need to hear it all the time. And I heard a guy, uh, he wrote a book. It's actually, uh, called something along the lines of, um, preaching, preaching the gospel to yourself like daily. So we always need that, that dose of grace. We always need that gospel message to continually be poured over us. And, um, I just, for some reason was living under this mindset that it was a, that this Christian walk wasn't a continual thing, that it was a start and a stop. So I was a Christian, then I, then I wasn't a Christian or not that, but like, I'm doing good. Okay. Now I'm doing bad. Okay. Now I'm doing good again. Okay. Now I'm doing bad again. And it was as though during the times where I was doing bad that I felt maybe even rejected by God, not so much by the church, but by God. And that just was a limited understanding of the father right and mm, limited yeah. understanding of sonship and i can tell you that like this message of sonship um Huge. wasn't even on my radar until like a year and a half or two years ago yeah so where was the message of sonship all those years and all those churches man and all those and conversations can you give just a brief definition of what sonship is yeah it's <laughs> I, mean, I know that I that's can, a whole yeah. other podcast, but well, it is, it is a whole nother podcast, but if I can find it in, um, I think it's in, uh, Galatians where he talks about, well, now we have the spirit of sonship we're heirs. And so what that means is it is. So one of my f- favorite verses in scriptures, I think it's, um, John one 12, it says to those who, who, uh, maybe it's John one twelve to those who believe he gave the right to become children of God, not born of natural descent or of a husband's will or a human decision, but born of God. Um, and then First um, John, I think it's chapter 3, verse 1, says, Consider what great love the Father has for us, that we should be called children of God, right? That And we have the Holy Spirit in us, the spirit of sonship, which means that God is a father. Jesus said, um, pray like this, our father who art in heaven. And that was a the new first concept. Time, first time. Right. That's uh, what they call a Jesus original calling uh, God <laughs> Abba. Seriously, was, right. a, it was is. a one and only it's dedicated. It's him. It's, right. it's a true Jesus original. Right. He was so, the only and first person to ever. Say so the Pharisees like wouldn't even say Yahweh. They didn't even nope. spell it out the whole way. Um, because but he's it was over this, here calling him daddy. He's calling you know him I mean? daddy. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. let's skip the formality. Let's dive right into intimacy. And I think for a long time I didn't even see God as a father. Um, I just saw him as this. You know, I don't know. I guess I really don't know what I saw him as. But but now in being a son, 
I realize, like even what it, it says in Hebrews chapter 12, do you not remember what is spoken, what is said that the Lord disciplines those he loves and everyone mm-hmm. undergoes discipline for if you don't undergo pl- discipline, you're an illegitimate child. Yeah. And or, so, or what you have people so, doing is they take their views of, of what a father is to them and they throw their and, pers- and project it. Yeah. They project and their, you know, their roles of a father. It's onto so, God. it's so interesting that we started this, this podcast with me talking about Ezra and, um, you know, what a son, you know, and I, and I, I don't want to hijack this moment, but I think it's very important because, uh, I was down in Springfield climbing with a company and literally just had this conversation with a friend of mine. We were, uh, we were kicking it and just kind of talking. He works for this company yeah. and, uh, we're, we're kind of new friends or whatever, but he just didn't know really, honestly. Uh, I, I, I don't know. It was just, you could tell that he's yeah. he's thirsty for something, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we all I did was talk. We were just talking, and uh, I told him I just started talking about Ezra. And man, every time um, every time I start talking about Ezra, there's a there's a there's a light that comes upon me, like mm. a, just a, a, a love, right? And I started talking to him about these deep revelations. I didn't even know if he was honestly a, a believer or not. Yeah. I just told him about these deep revelations that I've had uh, of sonship through having a son, right? And and where that had gone in our church. And this guy looked at me, and he was like he was, he couldn't say anything. He was so stunned. He's like, where is that at? Because nobody's talking about that. What right. you were just talking about yeah. as, as, as a father loving a son there, where is that at? Because no church is, is talking about that that's and what crazy. that's like. And, and the fact that Ezra doesn't do anything to deserve my love. As a right. matter of fact, he craps his pants. He cries. He keeps me up at night. He does all <laughs> of these things. He gives me nothing. He gives me nothing. And yet my love for him is so like, if he just smiles at me, dude, I right now, dude, like I think if he <laughs> so smiles good. at me, dude, like I cry every when he smiles at me, you yeah. know what I mean? And that's the yeah. love that that's overcame, the love the father. overcame sin and death. Right. You know what I mean? And so why are people not talking about that? And like I said, that I God is pleased. No, it's, it's perfect. God is certainly pleased with us and he loves us and he understands our struggles. Scripture tells us in Hebrews that we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize in our weaknesses for he was tempted in every way that we've been tempted. And so he's an, ad- he's an advocate now. And so, what somebody should have told me <laughs> when I was going through all this mess is that Jesus gets it. Yeah. Jesus understands. He he knows where you're at. Like, but it, maybe they did and maybe I heard it but didn't hear it or or whatever it is. But yeah, what can the church do now? It's like one, don't assume that every everything's okay. And two That's huge, man. That that is such a big thing. Because we all know that we can walk into a church and, and put on a smile and we can put on a front. Well, and too blessed it, to be stressed, brother. And we have, we have no clue what people are going through, what's going Dude, on in their and life. Me, and that's going to segue right in, into, into, my, into mine because yeah. that's a big part of a big part of my testimony is yeah. not being yeah. okay and, you know, and the church overlooking it, even knowing about it and, and not, you know. Yeah. Like, right. It, well, just, I mean, maybe, maybe afraid to when you come to somebody yeah. like a wrecking ball of destruction and you know yeah. it, but being afraid to handle it's, that. You it's know? not yeah. knowing what to do. And so one, I didn't have, I didn't have anybody. And this is a different story from Casey. Um, I didn't have anybody in my life who was like so close that they knew exactly what was going on. And you guys had an idea, but you never yeah. really knew. Yeah. Um, and so what it took was a preacher pre- preaching a, a message of the gospel and forgiveness and grace. Yeah. And just doing what he's doing, serving the Lord. Some random guy walks into his church one day and accepts the call of Christ on his life and then moves away to go be a pastor. So just let me tell you, the seed, just, man. I mean, <laughs> what if he, what if he would have tried to keep me? 
What if he said, well, you were saved in my church and so you ought to stay here and like, you know, oh, well that meant, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, like, yeah. why are we preaching those messages? Are, are we preaching sermons because we want people to like stick and stay in our place and we want to woo them to be a part of our congregation? Or are you preaching the unadulterated word of God, a message of mercy and grace in Christ Jesus, a message of surrender and discipleship? And then I think that's called being a mouthpiece. Right, being a, <laughs> and, and truly preaching what what you know, yeah. going and doing the legwork and asking yeah. God, God, what does your what do your people need to hear? Exactly. Let me just tell you, and I, and we can end here in a second. But that is a that is a. I'm hearing that phrase more and more when pastors or preachers or people who teach are talking about teaching um, on a Sunday or wherever. They say, you know, I just I get in a place and I ask the Lord, what do you want to say to your people? That's called being a prophetic voice, speaking forth the heart and the mind of God. And so what Clay did in that moment was with a prophetic voice, he spoke forth the heart of God towards me in that moment. Mm, And it was so powerful that it changed the trajectory of my life. And what's so interesting is that while, while you were having this crazy interaction experience with, with God, there was someone across the church from you that was having a completely different experience with right. the words that were being spoken. Right. And so that's just the beauty of what God can do in the heart of man. It's, it's insane. But so the, yeah, this spirit of sonship, knowing that, that I am his, right. That's, that's the deal for today. Like that's the biggest thing that's changed since then. And again, I didn't get that message till about a year and a half, two years ago. And so I'm newly walking in the spirit of sonship, although I was from the womb to the pew. And so why did it take so long? You know what I mean? Like it's, because, it's crazy. Because God deals in eternity. Yeah. You know? I was, a, dude, I was a, his, his eye, his mindset right. is eternal. It's you know true. I mean? Yeah. It's, I mean, it, this is a different topic, but I was a spiritual orphan. You know, I was born into the church and I wasn't fathered. And so I was left to fend for myself and it was a struggle. It was a constant yeah. struggle. So whew, is that Big enough? Stuff, man. Is that good? You guys want to <laughs> keep going? Well, I hope round somebody, one, <laughs> I hope somebody's <laughs> blessed and there's yeah, there's so much more, man, but yeah, the Lord is good. And, and so I look back and I'm, you know, 36 years now and I look back and, and I see that the Lord was with me the whole way. Right. And even though I took turns and I made poor decisions somehow in his sovereignty and his love and his grace, he was able to, to propel me forward into my destiny yeah. regardless of what I did. And, and as far off as I was, I mean, yeah. Was it his will that I ever, that I ever step into being promiscuous and doing drugs and becoming an alcoholic? Like that was certainly not in his will. And so it's like um, Jonah, who ran the complete opposite way from Nineveh, yet the Lord did what he needed to do to intervene, put him in a fish, <laughs> and then spit him up on dry land, and then send him right back to where he was going to put him in the first place. And that's what the Lord did with me. And I guess my, my Sheol was this place of addiction and depression and, and foolishness, and the Lord did what he needed to do to, to bring me to where I'm at. So. Oh, you know, Jason, he doth that which he doeth. The Lord doth he doth that which he doeth in the land of Ham. He doth so hard, dude. <laughs> and he doth well. <laughs> Dothing it and dothing it and dothing it well. well. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, boy. Well, so where can people share this message? Yeah, this, this, yeah. So this podcast for with their sure. Friends? That's, that's a great question. So we have a lot of stuff. 
um, that we've worked on in our off season. And so now we have a Salty Dogs podcast uh, website. So saltydogspodcast.com. And you can check out worldwide, wide, wide. So you can check that out. Um, iTunes, Google Play, um, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Salty Dogs Podcast on iHeartRadio. So if you have that app, you can look us up there. You guys on Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. So if you go to saltydogspodcast.com, there's a tab that says listen now. So you can actually just listen through your browser. Um, But then there's a link to iTunes and Google Play and iHeartRadio. And so you can subscribe through your apps. Um, And then down at the bottom of our page, one, we have an email sign up. And so what we're trying to do is kind of build community around these conversations. Um, Really, we'd love if people would take the time and shoot us an email or send us a message. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook just to keep up to date what's going on. And then sign up for the newsletter. We want to try and um, continue conversation and create resources and do those different things. And um, for a limited time only, you can ask for a Salty Dogs podcast bumper (laughs) sticker. And uh, I'll mail you a bumper sticker. but yeah, we're on uh, on all social media and really just trying to focus in 2018 on building community around the podcast, continuing conversation, helping build people up. And, uh, you know, Casey and I, and I know Chris as well, we all want to be available um, for continued conversation. The podcast is one thing, but we're real people and we have real hearts and we, we love people and we love coffee and we love food. So we'll rally around coffee and food to have conversations and you know, if anything, it's like if there's anybody out there who listens and they say, hey, I'm in the same place you were, um, let's get together and uh, and we'll chat. So, sound good? Sounds great. Mm. SDP out. Episode one. Over. In the books. The book of life. Dunskies. <laughs> <laughs>